1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Honor widows and who are truly widows. But if widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children and has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when they, their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur a condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the, give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. A couple of uh, songs I was thinking about as I'm looking at last week's text and this week's text. One was the that scene in The Wizard of Oz as Dorothy is, is uh, being uh, told by the uh, the good witch and she's tapping her slippers together and she's saying there's no place like home and that is true true for Dorothy, true for us um, we've been studying 1 Timothy and Paul has given Timothy a blueprint for the church, how do you do church how do you organize it, how do you run it how do you, how do, how do you administrate it we've seen how the church is to be like family and so um, so I thought about the uh, the Wizard of Oz and that movie clip and been thinking about the music of that song but I also began to think about Sister Sledge uh, you remember who Sister Sledge is don't you remember that we got a little clip to jog your memory yeah, yeah. Uh, now that, that part goes on to say that's the chorus we are family I got all my sisters with me we are family Get up, everybody, and sing. Now, I'm thinking that's a perfect call to worship song. And so, but my wife, uh, she's a little straight-laced for that. So she said, no, we're not doing that to call to worship. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Maybe we can work that in uh, down the road. But we we do see here that we're treating one another like family. We're even to correct one another like family. In chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, we we treat one another respectfully and those in different age categories accordingly. We don't browbeat an older man when we correct him. And we do correct him. Remember from last week? No, that's what we do as a church. We correct one another. And remember, we do that different ways for different people, different personalities, different, different generations. We, we approach people wisely and differently, right? We don't browbeat an older man. We talk to him like a father or a grandfather. We don't belittle a younger man. We treat him with equality. 
An older woman is talked to like a, a mother or a, a grandmother. And lastly, younger women, we treat like sisters in Christ with purity and chastity. We said last week, nothing will discredit or disqualify a pastor quicker than pride and impurity. So today we turn to another family issue. It's taking care of grandma and her widowhood. What we're going to see today in our text that God desires for us to care for needy widows, especially those that have been faithful to the Lord. And that responsibility lies first with the family, with her own family, and secondly with the church. So our first point today, coming from verses 3 through 7, is taking care of needy believers is important to the Lord. And we know that, just, just hermeneutical principles, as you read through a text, you think about how many verses are in this this letter to 1 Timothy, it's 112, and there's 14 verses dealing with widows. That's 12.5% of the content of the, the letter on how to run a church is directed to widows and caring of widows. And it's obvious that here in Ephesus where Timothy is ministering, that they had a substantial number of widows in the church, and it's part of Timothy's responsibility to take care of these Women. Now think about first century context. Judah, women usually were not the direct heirs of the husband's will. So when a husband would die, he had a will, and he wouldn't leave it to his wife as we would do maybe in America, in our culture. But it would go to the oldest son. But what if the oldest son is good for nothing, and he doesn't take care of his mama? Well, she would be in dire straits. There was no retirement fund, no welfare system, no social security or life insurance to depend on. So she'd be forced to try to find a job, which probably would be difficult. She would ha maybe have to move in back in with her father if her father was still alive or be supported by her, her own children. Look at verse 3. Honor widows who are truly widows. Now, honor there doesn't mean just to give recognition to. Like if I say today we want to honor um, Charlie and Donna Kennedy. Today is their 29th wedding anniversary. So we want to recognize them being faithful to one another for 29 years. That's, we honor them, right? We give them recognition. But it means more than that. It means actually to support financially or to care for and you see that in chapter 5. Look at the uh, verse 17 of chapter 5. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. We'll deal with that text next week. But what does that double honor mean? Some monies. Financial care. Yeah, you should pay your elders, make sure they're taken care of, make sure they're provided for. Yeah, so that's what's taking place here. Honor widows who are truly widows. Think about the nation of Israel, the people of God. They were to give special care to widows, to orphans, and to the poor. In fact, part of their tithe, their offerings, provided for those in need. And we're going to run through a bunch of these texts. Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29. At the end of 
Every three years you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Taking that, that offering. That they, they would take up every three years for the poor, for the widow. Deuteronomy 24. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. And you'll, you'll see that. Right now they're shelling corn. And you'll see there's, there's parts. Um, right now we're, we're starting to ride horses because the weather's cooling off. And so we've been riding our horses some. And they're shelling the corn. And so we go in those fields. And what do the horses want to do? And the grace and our constantly, giddy up, come on, get on down the road, because they want to stop and eat, because there's all these, these rows of corn that, that, the, that they missed. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. See the routine here? What, what, is it, what, is this, what does this remind you of? What other biblical story? Anything? Think about Ruth. Yeah, Ruth. Yeah, Boaz's field. They would go out and glean the fields, what was left over, what wasn't taken. Yeah, Deuteronomy 27, verse 19. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow. And all the people said... Amen. That's right. It should be the case. That's the way it should be. You mistreat a widow. You should be cursed, God said. Psalm 68, 5. Father of the fatherless and a protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. What's God like? And there's so many answers, right? He's a protector of widows. He cares for the poor. He takes care of the needy. Isaiah chapter 1. This is the context here is they've been offering sacrifice to the Lord and the Lord's just kind of fed up because they're just going through the motions. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. The big 10, number 5. Remember that? Right? Honor your father and mother. Yeah, it's number 5 on the, the big, big list, the top 10 there. Exodus 22, verse 22 through 24. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall become widows themselves and your children fatherless. I don't think the Lord doesn't beat around the bush about that, isn't he? He's very forthright. How you treat widows, uh, you can either be blessed or be cursed. Yeah, and it's significant because it, as we care for widows, it, it shows that we're like God. He's the father to the fatherless, the defender and avenger of widows. He cares for those who can't take care of themselves. So what a delight it is to care for widows and the needy. Exodus 
For by doing so, we show ourselves to be godly, like God. Think about the, the idea of Leverite marriage, Deuteronomy 25. That's all about caring for the widow. Or the kinsman redeemer in the book of Ruth. We've already mentioned Ruth, but the book of Ruth. It's a, yeah, what, what is that all about? It's about the Lord taking care of the, the widow. And the special care of the poor was passed from the Jew to the church. You think of that in the New Testament, an incident where the widows were taken care of? Yeah, we're about to study that on Wednesday nights. If, you, uh, if you're here Wednesday night, we'll, we might get to this part. Yeah, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. We got work, all this work is important, but I need to be teaching the word. How about we gather some, raise some men up that can handle these, these needs around us. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Yeah, they're raising up the first deacons, right? Calling the first deacons. What are they doing? They're caring for widows, those are in, who are in need, those who are destitute. And the church maintained a list of these widows that they would feed and support. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, when the apostles think about this, um, what's taking place, Paul and Barnabas, they go out on the first missionary journey, and what do they see? They see Gentiles coming to faith. And they didn't know what to do about it. Well, we've seen Jews come to faith. What about these Gentiles? Did they need to become Jews first before they can follow Jesus. And so they had this Jerusalem council, right? And what they end up doing, they end up uh, giving Paul and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. But what do they do in this text? And when James and Cephas and John, that's the apostles, who seemed to be pillars, and they were, perceived that grace was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcision. Only they ask us to remember the poor. Yeah, we want to... We wanna, Go after the Gentiles and, and, and share the gospel with them. They can become believers just like we are. They need the gospel too. But just rem, remind them to remember the poor. James, Christ's brother, also taught the need for caring for widows. James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained, from the world. And lastly, what about Jesus? Jesus, he's our exemplar, isn't he? Well, how did he treat widows? See, several incidents. The small group leaders, you can, you can run with that if you'd like. How did Jesus treat widows? There's several examples of him caring for widows. But John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. Jesus on the cross, dying a slow, agonizing death. Well, what does he do? He remembers a widow that was near and dear to his heart, right? His own mother. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which was the apostle John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. What's Jesus doing there? Taking care of the widows. His own mama. John, take care of her. Mama, John's going to care for you from now on. 
Look at verse 4. But notice, who's the first line of support for widows? But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. If a widow has kids or grandkids, their own family should provide for them. And there's two reasons given here why the family should care for her. First, their mama has given them much. Do they not owe her something in her old age? And secondly, it pleases the Lord. Well, I want to please the Lord in all I do. Well, good. You'll be taking care of your mama because that pleases the Lord. Notice that you should make some return to your parents. Now think about this for a second. What if? Hypothetical situation, okay? Think about your mama. If your mama charged you a fee for taking care of you, how much would you owe her? Some of you that got little little bitty baby, Caitlin, how many diapers have you changed so far? You just a couple months into it, right? Nine months into it, how many how many how many diapers you changed? Yeah, I mean fifty cent a diaper, you know, just on a fifty cent a diaper. Is it worth fifty cent to have your diaper changed? How much would you owe your mama for two dollars a day? Say if it's eight to five, two dollars a day. I'm gonna pay back my mama for taking care of me. A dollar per meal, that sounds pretty good. Well, some of you say, well, my mama couldn't cook too good. That's about 50 cents a meal. How much a meal? A dollar? What about it? things after five? That's time and a half. We've got to pay your time and a half for after five o'clock. And then triple time after ten. All those many times I threw up in the middle of the night, I never once had to clean it up. My mama did that. What about the repayment for them braces? Try to make an ugly person look better, right? What about all them hitting lessons and driver's education, fees? and What about that banger of a car they bought you? That car thing costs more than you think, you know? What would you owe her? What if you paid her 50 cents for every time she prayed for you? We'd be in the hole when we had them. What would we do if we had to pay that all back? But there comes a time, doesn't it, when the roles are reversed a bit. And we have a responsibility to God and to our parents to take care of them. Now, if we're talking about widows here. And it's funny, you don't talk about widowers. Why is that? Because they'd have worked themselves to death. You don't see them around. And it's true. How many widows are here? Raise your hand if you're a widow. If you're a widow. I'm looking at some of you. Some of them need to be reminded you're widows. Yeah. How many widowers? Any widowers in the house? Yeah. We got, we got one widower. And if you go to the nursing home, you know what you'll see? Miss Mary Jane, is she here? She's not here. She worked at Covenant Care for a long time. It's like... Eight to probably, you know, out of every ten patients there, eight of them are widows and maybe two are widowers. Yeah, it's just the way it works out, right? Men usually pass away before women. Not always, but of course, but that's kind of the trend. Think about how many of us still have our mothers with us. How many of us have widowed mothers? 
you know, we have a responsibility to care. The first line of support for widows are the family. And I'll say in our church, we've got a growing number of older people in our church. And we try to t- minister to them and, and take care of them and, and, and watch out for them. But to be honest with you, we, we, we don't have very many that doesn't have really, really, really good care. Somebody waiting on them hand and foot. You know, we're blessed that way. But we're there for them if they need us, right? But the family should be taking care of the widows. And Jenny and I, that was a big thing before we got married. We just talked about that. And um, that's something in marriage counseling. You know, hey, you need to think about that. What that's, what's that going to look like? Tell me, well, my parents probably go to the nursing home or my parents will move in with me. Well, let's talk about that before you get married because that may be a, an issue. We talked about that before we were married. Yeah, when our parents get, get older, we'll, we'll care for them. We went overseas, and it was like, yeah, we'll be overseas until something happens, and then, hey, if our parents have a need, we'll come back to America, and we'll take care of them. And a lot of our colleagues have done that. My supervisor, he had to do that, he and his wife. And yeah, it's what you do. Families are first line of defense. Taking care and meeting the needs of widows is important to the Lord, and families have the first line of support for that. Look at verse 8. We'll come back to verse 5 and 6 in a minute. But look at verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah, our second point, even unbelievers take care of their grandmas. I mean, the positive reasons why children and grandchildren should take care of their widowed family members is because, number one, we, we owe them, right, for all the good. They've taken care of us. They've taken care of us, right? But secondly, what's the second? What is the second um, reason? Is it because it pleases the Lord? But here's the negative counterpart for those reasons. Even lost people take care of their own. By the law that's written on their hearts, lost pagans honor their needy widows. And to neglect the care of our mothers, we deny the faith. Yeah. There's an old Dutch proverb. It says, it seems easier for one poor father to take care of ten children than for ten rich children to care for one poor father. You get that? Let me read that again. It seems easier for one poor father to take care of ten children than for ten rich children to care for one poor father. Philo, he addressed this um, issue of honoring your parents. He said, when old storks become unable to fly, they remain in their nest and are fed by their children who go through endless exertion to provide enough food for them. He writes, because of their piety. It's kind of a funny illustration, but he says, this illustration from nature, yeah, even storks take care of their own. Even unbelievers take care of their grandmas. If we don't take care of the widows and those who are in need, then we're worse than an unbeliever. Leads to our third point, the church helps true widows. Look at verse 11 through 16. You see this word truly or true widows. It's put forth in verse 3 and verse 5 and verse 16. And here in verse 11 through 16, we're, we're taught not to include younger widows on the list. It's kind of interesting. 
The younger widows are, he says, aren't true widows. They shouldn't be included on this list of widows. And some, I will say this, some people, they see this, they read through this text. They see this as the verse five, uh, five through eight is dealing with widows in general. And then you've got this other uh, list in verses 11 through 16. And this is a different, or verse nine through 16, it's a different list. These are a list of widows who are serving in the church, and so they're, it's a different. That's a ministry position. I don't really see that, and it, you could have that argument. Some people do. I just see that, that this latter part is giving more specific examples or fleshing out this, this first part. But the younger widows aren't true widows. They shouldn't be included in the list of widows because they're going to be receiving funds from the church, and then later they'll want to... Mary. Maybe think about it this way. There's a limited amount of funds. There's not enough to go around, and those that get the money ought to be the neediest. I think that's the idea. Maybe some younger women have committed, hey, I'm going to be on this list, and you can care for me, and I'm going to serve in the church, but maybe they go back on the word when they decide they want to marry. And in verse 13, there's other reasons. Since they have their needs met and they have energy to burn, they turn to gossiping and meddling in other people's business. Maybe the idea is that the, the idle hands are the devil's workshop. And what's true for kids is often true of us. Kids sometimes just need structure. They just need something to do. Well, that's true of adults as well. If you sit around doing nothing, watching TV, you're not going to be much good for anything, are you? Look at verse 15. For some have already strayed after Satan. Have these younger widows that we encourage the younger ones to, to marry again, if that be the Lord's will, and to, to have children and to take care of them and take care of their household. Paul doesn't say so here, but I, I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, where he addressing Christian widows, he says they're free to remarry. But he says only it must be in the Lord. And maybe what was happening is there people are being remarried, they're, they're younger widows and they're being supported by the church, but then they decide they want to get married because they have passions and they desire to be married. And so they end up just forsaking their ministry of the church, forsaking even their faith because they want to get married and they marry an unbeliever. Possibly what could be going on here. The church helps true widows. And like I said, in, in our church, we've got a growing number of older folks. And I love the older folks in our church. And we've got a, a growing number of homebound people who can't attend anymore. And we ought to look after them and try to care for them. And right now, all of our folks, without exception, are getting really good care. And people ask me all the time, hey, does so-and-so need any help? Does so-and-so? And I call them, hey, do you need anything? No, I'm good, I'm good. You know, I'm being taken care of. My, my daughter, my son, my... Lastly, benevolence must not be given haphazardly. So let's go back to verses 5 and 6. We skipped that. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these as well so that they may be without reproach. 
Paul commands Timothy to use discernment in whom they support. Think about this. In Thessalonica, there were some people who were refusing to work, but they were living off the church's generosity. So Paul says if they don't work, they shouldn't what? Eat, yeah. Yeah, there's times where you can't. You're not able, right? We have people who are not able to work, can hold jobs. But there's a place for saying no when an individual's not walking with the Lord. I know when I first came to Beaver uh, seven, eight years ago, my phone would ring every day, sometimes two or three people, and they'd say, hey, I need some help. they just call you out of the bell. i say, well, how do you, do you know somebody at our church? No, I just looked it up in the phone book. Can you pay my electric bill? And I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on. And they kind of tell me, and with very few exceptions, what I found is there's somebody there that's not being very responsible with their money. And more times than not, they're just living very godless lifestyles. Hey, can you, I'm moving, can you pay my moving expenses and, and pay my deposit for the, the power company and the water company? Well, how do you know, why, why do you call, how do you know, do you know somebody at our church or did you go to church here before? Oh no, I just looked it up in the phone book. And so we had to try to figure out what to do because there's all kind of people calling. I was like, man, we don't have any, we don't have the our money. We don't have money to do all this, you know. It's like you don't have, there's not money in the world, maybe, because you get calls all the time. But with, with few exceptions, I found, yeah, there's people, some of them are able to work and they're not. They're not very, being very responsible with their money. We, we can't help everybody, right? So we had to figure that out. Well, we, we take care of our, 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 our own people, right? Yeah, our own people in our church, we, we take it. So we have a, a benevolence fund in our budget. And it's not, very, it's not very much money, but it's not a lot of money, but it's some that can take care of our own people. So when people call now, it's like, yeah, we don't have a budget for that. And there's some people that say, we need food. We would go over there and get a, in our pantry and we'd load up some food and we'd go bring it to them. And it was great because we get an opportunity to share the gospel and love on them that way. But again, with few exceptions, I found, yeah, these people really aren't really needy. They need some responsibility, but they don't really need. Financial help or material help or whatnot. We don't give out care indiscriminately. And there, there seem to be not only physical conditions, hey, you've got to be destitute, where you don't have anybody to help you. Then we'll put you on the list. But your family should care for you first. But if you need care, we want to give it to you. But also there's a, some spiritual qualifications as well. They must be godly. She is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God, and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. And in verse 9 and 10, let the widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. I don't think that's a real hard fast. I think it's just, hey, younger widows want to marry. Older folks, we can take care of them, maybe. Having been the wife of one husband, I think that's a similar um, understanding as we, when we, we talked about pastors in the church, right? There are one... one one woman man is the pastor for a widow, a one man woman, right? She'd been faithful. I think about talking about character and fidelity and having a reputation for good works. Verse 10, if she has brought up children and shown hospitality, has watched the feet of saints, 
has cared for the afflicted and has devoted herself to every good work. So I think there's a, the physical qualification, but there's spiritual as well. Hey, there's a limited amount of money. Who are we going to take care of? We're going to take care of this grandma who's a widow and doesn't have anybody to care for her. But, you know, she's been faithful to the church. She's given to the church. She's been faithful to the, to the church and helping out the kingdom. She's done kingdom's work. Well, let's really let's take care of her. Let's put her on this list. Anna is a great example of a godly widow doing ministry. Luke chapter 2, you remember Anna when Jesus was born, verse 36 and 37. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years. She's married seven years from when she was a virgin. And then she was a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Now, this lady been doing ministry. Right? Yeah, that's an example of a widow who definitely should be cared for. So what do we do with this text? You're like, well, you just said we don't have any widows that are like this in our church. So why are we actually talking about this text? Well, wait, because we teach through the Bible, right? So when we do have a widow, we'll know how to handle that. Let's, so let's be on the lookout for those true widows who are needy. I'm thankful for our families who are taking care of their mamas and their grandmamas. And we'll want to help them do that. And as they have needs, we'll let you know. And if you hear of their needs, you let us know, right? And I think that secondly, just by way of application, when you get older, that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you, you just live your life in leisure and entertainment. I mean, think about these descriptions of these women. They ought to be godly and they ought to be faithful and we put them on the list but what do we do you don't put them out to pasture i say this all the time our, our, our retired folks you got more time and usually more money than you ever did before you may not have the energy but you have more time and we have quite a few in our congregation is older folks retired and they call and they come by hey what can we do and yeah you need to you need to get up don't waste your life there's a book by john piper it's direct towards uh, all, everybody, but especially older folks, don't waste your life. So what are you doing? Well, I'm retiring. Yeah, great. You're retiring so you have more time to do kingdom's work. You don't have to go 8, 10, 12 hours to work. You can use 8, 10, 12 hours to serve the Lord. One of the things you, you, that I, I talk about our folks, they're like, oh, one of the, the biggest difficulties, you, you can imagine somebody that's homebound, they get where they can't get out and about and they can't do the things that they used to do physically, it, it hurts their heart because they can't do physically, they're unable to do. So what, what I encourage them to do is you should pray. Uh, my granddaddy, I would come home and spend a lot of time with him when I was on, overseas, and, and he, he, would, he would say that all the time. Man, I just can't do anything. I just can't do anything I used to do. I, I just can't do much. I try to do it. I said, Dick Hall, you just pray for us. You just spend time praying for us because we need it. And the Lord's using us here. So let's just pray. You can always pray. And that is the work. I think also by way of application, we as a church, we have to give these godly widows a place to serve. You know, we recognize not only their need, but also allow them to give according to their ability. You know, along the same lines with this idea of um, helping those who are needy, the poor, to think about our 
obligation and opportunity to help uh, orphans. Think about um, probably one of the biggest needs in our county is, is foster care. So January, February, we're going to, I'm going to be encouraging you to get trained to do at least respite care. We're going to do that in January and try to help kids who need homes. Every child's going to be placed in a home. Why would it not be placed in a Christian home? We can pour into them. We have families in our church that are doing that and doing a great job of that. So we're going to be doing that in January and February, just kind of give you a heads up on that. And lastly, just by way of application, no one is more helpless than a true widow. I mean, they're older, no energy, no income, no support. But maybe there's one type of person who's more helpless, and that's a sinner separated from a just God. Who is more helpless and destitute than a sinner who's at enmity with God? And think about their only hope is to, only chance of escaping the wrath of God is for them to be just like God, perfect and holy. You know, that's not going to happen. Praise be to God that he's provided a way for sinners who are at enmity with God, who are rebellious. There's a way provided that they can be forgiven and be reconciled and be brought into the family of God. And that's through the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died so that sinners like, like you and me can be reconciled to him. And the Bible says if we'll confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he, could it be that he wants to take your sin away this morning? I want to encourage you if you're thinking about that. Maybe you've been thinking about that for some time. Maybe today the Spirit of God is convicting you and you recognize that you're lost and you're separated from the Lord. And these songs that we sing, you understand their meaning, but you really can't, um, you really can't um, identify with us as we talk about these things. Even if we take the Lord's Supper, you aren't able truly to take the Lord's Supper because you're separated from the Lord. Well, I encourage you by way of application to repent. God wants to reconcile sinners to himself through faith in Christ. So won't you believe, trust Jesus that he died for you and he rose on the third day that you could be forgiven and made right with God. I'd love to talk to you about that if you have questions about that. If you're concerned about that or you're not quite sure, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Well, we're wrapping things up. We've got a, a great week planned. Wednesday night we'll be having Bible study. Beaver Kids, we'll have that memorial service here on Saturday for Steve Brown's mom. and Men's retreat coming up, the women's gathering. We've got a lot going on. Hope you'll be able to participate in those things. But 